this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindu's in focus podcast today we have a special crossover episode featuring the hindu's pale a weekly podcast that brings together subject experts to discuss issues of public interest in depth and from multiple perspectives In this bonus episode from the Pale podcast we have our host K Bharat Kumar senior deputy editor at the Hindu in conversation with Dharmakirti Joshi and Lekha Chakraborty on the weakening of the Indian rupee we hope you like this episode you can subscribe to Pale by the Hindu from the links in the show notes Hello and welcome to the Hindu's Pale podcast The rupee weakened past 81 against the dollar for the first time ever last week. The RBI's intervention in the forex market to help stem the volatility by selling dollars has meant that our forex reserves have fallen by about 94 billion over the course of about 12 months to about 545 billion in mid-September. How much lower can we afford to let our reserves go? Is there a correct level for the rupee? Where does the interest rate as a policy tool figure in all of this? To share perspectives with us today, we have mr dharmakirti joshi chief economist at crisil limited and professor lekha chakraborty from the national institute of public finance and policy with us today are we comfortable at where we are or you know when the forex reserves went to below 600 billion dollars we had several economists say even if another 100 billion dollars were spent in defending the rupee we'd still be comfortable because we had spent our time shoring up our forex reserves when the times were good and now is the time to use those reserves to make sure that volatility or defending the rupee or actions are be a mistake what is your view sir now well i think uh, i agree that the use of forex reserves uh, is appropriate at this juncture otherwise why do you build them i mean you you as you rightly said you build your reserves during good times and spend them during bad times and uh, right now trying to defend the rupee uh, or trying to curb volatility to be precise i think you can't defend the rupee at a particular level because that would be swimming against the tide which is uh, which is not possible in this in this environment but you can certainly make it less volatile and uh, uh, having said that i think there is also a limit to how much you can lean on the reserves i think they can burn out pretty quickly i mean if you are very aggressive in your interventions i think we've seen this happen in china as well where i think they burnt a lot of reserves couple of years back so clearly uh, you need uh, a multi pronged approach i mean and which essentially uh, involves uh, several measures by the rbi which they some of them they have already taken essentially to increase the supply of us dollars in in the indian market i think they were trying to make the some investments more attractive to the foreigners i think uh, and we've also seen in 2013 that i think you can also attract nris to bring in the money i think these are some of the measures that supplement the use of uh, reserves uh, in in stabilizing the currency in addition to that i think uh, you also need to let the rupee depreciate uh, in a orderly manner i mean as i said the the some depreciation of the rupee will partly help the export sector not too much and it will also i think curb imports to some extent so the vulnerability that stem 
results from a high current account deficit that gets addressed to some extent because of weakening of the currency. And finally, I think the interest rate channel also needs to be used. And I think uh, the monetary policy is going to be announced on 30th of September. We believe that uh, RBI will go in with 50 basis point uh, hike. And part of it will be to address domestic concerns. And part of it will also be to address or to mute the impact of Fed rate hikes. I mean, not fully, but partly, because the interest rate differential between uh, India and US is rising. And so this will uh, is, is narrowing. So this will kind of widen that a bit and, and reduce the risk. So I think you need a you need a variety of measures. But Forex is, of course, the first line of defense. And this should be used judiciously and appropriately. And I think I would be pretty satisfied with the deaf management of the currency so far. Wow, that covers a lot of points, Priyam. Some of my uh, you know, later questions, but that really sets the tone for the conversation. Thank you, Mr. Joshi. If I can turn to Professor Chakraborty, Mr. Joshi actually talked about measures uh, that the RBI has adopted. You know, my query was to do with what approaches do you think, Professor Chakraborty, should the RBI take to shore up reserves in the context of FBI outflows? Recently, I think ECB norms were um, eased. Today, the media reports talk about a special window for uh, forex window for oil firms, and that is that tool has been used in the past. Uh, what gaps do you think that are there, or would you like to comment on these norms specifically? I do completely agree with uh, Mr. Joshi's point on the limitations or the room for RBI to uh, continuously do the volatile uh, that volatility management in the market because. By mandate, exchange rate management is not the cup of tea of RBI. Now, RBI, through this new monetary policy framework, has moved entirely to price stability. The inflation containment is a mandate of RBI. So within that mandate, you know, right now we are facing the reality of this rupee volatility. So here, you know, intervening in the forex market, I do completely agree with uh, Mr. Joshi about that point, the limitations of us in intervening the foreign exchange market. But having said that, the root cause of this rupee volatility right now, the predominant source is coming from the Fed Reserve's decision. Uh, as Mr. Joshi pointed out, you know, they are into an aggressive hawkish mode. It is affecting a part of the whole money part of our Forex. So this FPI, the foreign portfolio investors moving out, it, it's creating volatility in the Forex market. So if the root cause of that volatility in the market is predominantly the decisions by the Fed to go hawkish, then interest rate defense is the right answer to that. That That's the policy tool we should be using, the interest rate defense, because the volatility management can also give some sort of a panic signal, you know, to the market. So the stick on to the interest rate uh, defense will be very crucial. And as uh, Mr. Joshi pointed out, in the coming up MPC meetings, if we can friend load that for this macroeconomic stability and for the stability in the currency markets, if we can friend load that to a terminal rate of 50 basis point high, that could uh, be the effective solution to stem this crisis to a great extent. Of course, I can understand geopolitical uncertainties and war in Ukraine, energy price volatility, all these contribute to this situation. But 
predominantly in the Western world going hawkish, the Fed Reserve, Jay Powell, in his articulation in the uh, Jackson Hole meetings about going hawkish uh, in a series of interest rate hikes, then, you know, the predominant narrative should be interest rate defense rather than, you know, a continuous uh, currency uh, market management uh, by intervening to control the volatility. Let the rupee depreciate. Yeah. Mr. Joshi, uh, we appear to have roughly, and I'm open to correction, but my back-of-the-envelope calculation tells me that we have, in terms of forex reserves, about nine months' worth of import cover. You know, I understand that there should be some formulaic approach to what is the right forex uh, quantum for an economy of our size. In your view, for an economy of India's size, what is an ideal cover? Is that a good way to measure import cover? Is there anything else we should be looking at that India is missing out from a policy tool point of view? Well, I think uh, the uh, the import cover is one of the ways in which you measure uh, uh, your adequacy of, of reserves. But I think it's a very narrow measure, I would say. Um, there are other measures that have been suggested, and we do look at them from time to time. And one of them is uh, Goodotti uh, Greenspan rule, uh, where I think uh, they look at the short-term liabilities, particularly on external debt, short-term debt, which is debt less than one year. I think the forex reserve should be sufficient to to service them. So what we typically used to do is have the current account deficit plus the debt that is maturing in one year. Is the forex reserve sufficient to to take care of that? I think that that is a more uh, more broad based measure of uh, of looking at at the adequacy of reserves. And I think from that measure, I think we still have adequate uh, adequate reserves. Uh, we had more than adequate reserves, I think, uh, during the pandemic period. I think when we were actually, uh, when the CAD was low, and I think we had a lot of uh, capital come in and RBI was, was kind of accumulating its reserves. Now, I think uh, the cover, according to the, uh, uh, the, the Greenspan Goodotti rule, has reduced, but it is still it's it's still in the sufficient uh, uh, zone. I think because they according to them the ratio should be one, and I think we are adequately covered at this juncture. And that ratio currently would be what uh, if you were to dwell on figures. We haven't compute. I don't have the latest number, but my my sense is that it that ratio had gone up to something like seven during the pandemic. We had more than sufficient reserves. Now I think it has come down. I don't have the latest number, but I think from what I uh, what we assessed recently, I think it should, should still be above one. Got it. Okay. Professor Chakraborty, you talked about, uh, you know, let the rupee uh, appreciate, look at interest rate as a tool to stem outflows. So a couple of points. One is the outflows is essentially, like you said, it's it's external, right? And there's little control that we have over that and we'll try and use the interest rate tool. One, is that adequate? Because there's only so much you can do to control external factors. And second, when you say that uh, let the rupee depreciate, there is talk of, you know, we've always used the um, uh, real ex- effective exchange rate, either six country or 40 country. And it looks like the rupee is about 27 2.8% overvalued currently in that context. Should The second part of my question is, should the RBA look at the REER at all as a guidepost when it comes to stemming volatility? How critical is this tool? I understand you said, you know, let the rupee depreciate. How much do you think the RBA can go and let it depreciate? Because it does impact our imports and considering uh, our exports may also be impacted because of uh, fears of global recession when that hits us. So already we have a widening trade deficit. Um, How critical is the REER as a tool to help determine a policy approach? Uh, Well, a real effective exchange rate 
um, using that as a critical tool to uh, contain the volatility, I think that may not be a good approach given the deep, the root cause of the outflow or the deep cause uh, for the remitting forex. So I don't buy that argument. But what I want to do is to stick to your first point of interest rate defense. And in you know on September 30th, if we can move back to the neutral stance from this accommodative, if you can go back to that normalization procedure, then that could be that could be that friend loading of the rate hike could be an effective way for the macroeconomic stability. And uh, you mentioned about the crisis earlier in 2013, when we face this crisis, you know, we are now little better than 2013. We tried capital controls. We also tried, you know, uh, high frequency interventions in the foreign markets, uh, in the currency market. But what helped us was to look into the macroeconomic fundamentals of our country. So if the macroeconomic fundamentals are given importance and if they are under control and if we can go ahead with an interest rate defense, that could be a much better strategy than using the real effective exchange rate uh, as a management for the currency volatility. Of course, it is real effective. So here, the nominal rate is detected for the inflation. And this mounting inflation is also feeding into the imports. And that is also, you know, widening the current account deficit. But the current account deficit, of course, we lived with even the 4% of GDP, uh, the current account deficit. But what is important is how you finance the current account deficit. So if we can conveniently finance the current account deficit with capital flows, if we can prevent that hot money outflow uh, because of the interest rate differentials. If we can do something over there, that could be the long-term effective solution. The friend loading of the rates right now, maybe as Mr. Joshi pointed out, by 50 basis points in uh, September itself. So that that's, I think, uh, uh, can be a long-term strategy than you know, intervening in the market based on the real effective exchange rate. Mr. Joshi, uh, it's interesting that the professor uh, talks about, you know, RER may not be a, such a great tool after all. One, I'd like your view on, on this particular tool uh, and as a determinant to help us understand how much more it could be, uh, uh, you know, if it's overvalued currently. Um, secondly, what I understand from the professor's uh, point is that if we just look at the interest rate as a tool and hopefully as we increase that by a few basis points every now and then, then that could hopefully stem FPI outflows and that will automatically uh, help us with the exchange rate uh, that we are struggling with currently. On both these counts, would you agree? Or what would your viewpoints be? Yeah, I would broadly agree. I think the RER we typically use to see the competitiveness of exports. And I think uh, the our view is that, that I, and empirically we have tested it also, that even if, if the RER uh, weakens a lot, I think it, it uh, or, or the, the, the nominal currency weakens a lot. In either of the cases, I think that doesn't push exports much. I mean, in the in the environment where global growth is sinking, because the dominant variable is is global GDP, and I think that has a that has a far more uh, greater impact on on your trade. So that is one way to to look at the 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 RER. I I would say that I think the targeting the currency. Is, is anyway not a good approach. I think, uh, as I said earlier, uh, if, if you try to go against the tide, I think uh, it's very difficult to win that battle. I mean, so I would I would agree that uh, the the letting the rupee depreciate a little bit. I think because that will correct some of the imbalances and also at the same time 
I use the interest rate instrument, which I think is a is the last instrument to be used, but I think is is required at this juncture. I mean, when uh, when when the Fed is extremely aggressive, so I would I would agree with Professor Chakravarti on on this count that I think the 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 interest rate uh, uh, instrument has to be used. What it means is that. Uh, the interest rates are being raised not only to control inflation, but also to address external uh, imbalances. But having said that, I think now uh, I, I was just, uh, while we were uh, you were asking this question, I was also thinking about the past episodes for, of, of sharp depreciation of the currency, which we have seen during global financial crisis, during the taper tantrum. And also, I think before, uh, before the pandemic hit us, I think the central bank in US was trying to raise interest rates. I think that also had led to capital outflows. I think all these uh, episodes tell us that currency weakens very sharply during these episodes of global shocks. Uh, but then it also corrects. I mean, if you look, if you plot it over a 15 to 20 year period, you will see that the overshooting of the currency typically gets corrected over the after the event is is over. So it's essentially to maintain to ensure that the volatility is not too high. I think that is the role. That is where the to put it in context. That is where the forex reserve role comes in. I mean, that to 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 stem. Uh, the volatility to whatever extent you can, not to steer the currency in any direction. Once the once this uh, situation improves, I think the rupee typically tends to come back to its uh, its normal normal value. That was insightful. Okay, Professor Chakraborty touched upon the CAD, and we've had predictions, and now that's becoming more and more um, plausible that CAD uh, current account deficit as a percentage of GDP could touch anywhere between three point five to four percent. Uh, and in the past, when things were, you know, uh, you know, going well, we've had, uh, you know, I think Deputy Governor um, uh, of RBI uh, once talk about two, you know, two point seven to three percent is something that they could live with. But uh, you know, having hit, if it does hit four percent at all, is that something? Uh, what consequences do you see for the economy if the CAD touches four percent as being projected? I would love to look at this in a holistic manner of uh, the current account deficit and the capital account. Because if you look into these two, if you are comfortably uh, financing the current account deficit, even if it's shooting up to four, then, you know, I will be a little comfortable. So the focus is on how we can stem the capital outflows. The capital is getting flighty. So if we can focus on that, you know, during uh, Rekwaram Rajan's period, you know, the current account deficit went up to 4%. But the moment the hot money became flighty, you know, uh, we got panic. But till that moment, you know, we were comfortably financing the current account deficit with the capital outflows. So again, you know, my point is, if you can uh, maneuver the interest rate effectively, uh, then that can stem this process. But in this policy tool, what we have to, you know, focus is, you know, the interest rate and the economic growth, that R and G, if the rate of interest in the real terms, if it goes above the real growth of economy, then we are in trouble. Because on one side, we are increasing the interest rate to defend, you know, our currency and to also tackle the aggressive hawkish mode of Fed and also the financialization of savings. Because right now, the interest rate is in negative quadrant. So for that, to tackle that also, we need to, increase the interest rate. So it's more than one reason that we need to increase the interest rate. But, uh, you know, public debt management is very crucial. 
So there, you know, if you're increasing the interest rate, the cost of borrowing of the government can be a little trouble. So if we are facing that twin deficit crisis, then, you know, what we can look into is R and G. If the R is going greater than G, then we are in an unsustainable situation. That's exactly what, you know, uh, Moody's rating agency also said that you keep the interest rate high, but take a call on the rate of growth of economy and the real rate of interest. So uh, if you are comfortable with that, you know, you can go ahead with raising the interest rates. So, uh, you know, that fiscal consolidation, twin deficit crisis, uh, the only way to address these concerns right now, given the real rate of interest is negative, given the hawkish mode of Fed, uh, is only the interest rate difference. So, you know, to all your questions, my single most significant point is interest rate difference. Yeah, I see that uh, pattern. I, I get where you're coming from. Uh, Mr. Joshi, uh, the falling rupee was supposed to have exacerbated our external debt uh, situation. I think at least in June, July, there was a lot of talk about it. And now there are very few media reports that I see. Uh, we haven't seen any alarming news on that front. Is that less of a concern now, the, you know, debt that is coming up for payment in this calendar year? Uh, do you see that as a concern at all? Well, I think it, if it had been a concern, it would have uh, it would have shown up. I think the from a government's perspective, we don't have much external debt. I mean, uh, so that it's not government largely depends on domestic uh, uh, domestic debt. Uh, so that is one uh, one thing that helps during such uh, such events uh, like the one that we are seeing right now. According to one uh, report from the RBI, the unhealed exposure of uh, the stock of unhealed exposure of uh, Indian corporates uh, is about 44%, uh, which means that 44% of the debt that they have is uh, is unhealed. So clearly, I think the players who have borrowed abroad and, and have to service it, I think it's going to, if you are unhealed, if you have unhealed position, then it becomes even more uh, yeah, difficult for you. So it must be happening in pockets, but See, right now, rupee hasn't seen the kind of uh, uh, weakness that it saw during the taper tantrum. It was a massive uh, depreciation during a very short period of time. Right now, it is extremely orderly. Actually, it's even more orderly than uh, than during uh, during 2017-18 when the Fed was raising rates, trying to normalize the policy. So I think the rupee... Would rupee depreciation itself has not been uh, uh, very severe this time, I mean, to cause any concern. Okay. Sorry, sir. I will take a step back. I did want your opinion on the CAD as well. If, if it touches 4%, would you feel that we are comfortable as an economy? What consequences do you see there? Because it seems a vicious cycle. Yeah, I think so. CAD, I think so. One way to look at this whole uh, uh, episode of currency volatility is to see to look at it in terms of how vulnerable you are and what is the quantum of shock. So if I take you back to 2013, we were uh, very vulnerable. We were part of the fragile five. Uh, the shock was minimal. I think the Fed had just announced that uh, that it is going to reverse its policy. No action taken. But the rupee depreciated at a much faster pace than it depreciated during the global uh, financial crisis. Uh, so that is what. So right now, I think our vulnerability had been low because we had a lower current account deficit, and I think uh, that helps. Uh, and we have also have lower short-term foreign debt. Uh, that also helps. I, so I think the now what is happening is with the current account deficit 
gradually rising and i think it's it's likely to uh, it's hard to predict at this juncture where it will land because it uh, quite a uh, quite a bit also depends on what happens to your oil prices and other metals etc which could come down due to global slowdown so but yeah our assessment is that it is uh, uh, which was done couple of uh, weeks back is that it's it's going to be around 3% of gdp which itself is itself is high so you become more vulnerable to global shocks and in this environment where i think the the us dollar is seen as uh, as a safe haven then i think the the, the capital typically tends to go to go to us i mean and so there is there is an outflow of capital so if you look at the dynamics in last one one and a half months actually we've had net inflows and not outflows i think in in august the inflows were quite large i mean net inflows were quite large so i think depending on how the the inflows of capital uh, takes place i think will determine how uh, what the impact on currency will be so i think to cut the chase uh, the rising current account deficit is making you more vulnerable and then and i think then you depend more on uh, how much of uh, capital inflows view you favorably i mean whether they come to you how fast they leave so basically it's a measure of vulnerability of the economy and which is rising right now okay to wind down our conversation i have a query on uh, rupee trade settlements uh, you know we've had that measure i think about a month or couple of months ago and now we are seeing news about yuko bank and maybe yes bank that will enable these uh, settlements in rupee and countries like russia which seem to face sanctions sanctions and earlier iran you know we successfully did a uh, uh, rupee trade with even when it becomes reality can the mechanism actually make a dent on the pace at which the rupee is declining or these are all drops in the ocean and you need all of these so mr joshi could you uh, dwell on that before i go to professor chakrabarti well i think uh, my sense is that this is uh, this is where, i mean the the dollar is the dominant currency and it's going to stay that way for quite some time but these measures help at the margin i think that's all i can say i think it's not it doesn't make the situation any better for this particular year i think uh, uh, which is where where we have uh, we are vulnerable to capital outflows and uh, this is not going to fundamentally change the situation this is only at the margin so uh, professor chakraborty i'm going to ask you to uh, you know put a figure to see you know where would you feel comfortable you're saying rer is not a great tool to look at uh, whether the currency is overvalued or undervalued or to help determine uh, how how far the currency devaluation can go uh, you also talked about the interest rate um, uh, as a very important tool to fix uh, more than one problem but if you have to if you were in the shoes of the rbi governor and you're stemming volatility that's your primary responsibility but you know if you say let it depreciate a little bit more what would your view be would you know 92 for instance against the dollar be a comfort to you would 85 be you know so far and no further would you put a number to that oh, i will never take a guess on that uh, you know because uh, that's going to be a little tricky and as mr joshi pointed out uh, trading in rupees is also going to be a little tricky but i will be comfortable if the import cover will be close to 15 months uh, so that's the way we lived last year around september 2021 the import curve was close to 15 months so that could be you know even that uh, you know i'm not talking uh, a threshold or anything uh, but uh, you know rather i will not take a guess on how far we can allow the rupee to uh, depreciate because it, it's all the ad hoc configuration of the demand and supply 
that will fix that it is market determined our exchange rate is market determined so let the market force play uh, and i want to clarify my point is the rbi needs to intervene only if the rupee on a sustained free fall but rbi need not intervene to stem the volatility on a continuous basis because that can give panic signal so that that was my uh, point which i was trying to convey and now uh, with this uh, 75 basis point you know hike by the federal reserve and their communication and the articulation that we will keep uh, you know at it or that keeping at it that kind of vocabulary or communication is giving panic signals in the market uh, so that of the fed will keep at it until the job is done so that's the predominant source of panic in the financial markets in the global financial markets and we need to tackle that then you know we will be able to control the volatility um i've exhausted my list of questions any other gaps that you'd like to fill any insights you would want to have dwelt on first mr joshi and then i'll come to the professor no no i think this is fine okay great professor uh, chakraborty anything that you would have liked to have added no this was exhaustive i'm happy excellent, excellent. thank you so much i really appreciate you to uh, being with us uh, this morning thank you and have a good day thank, thank you so you. much for having me